Part Eight of Ingersoll on Walt Whitman from the Works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume Three, Lecture Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in April 2020. Ingersoll on Walt Whitman part eight what is poetry the whole world is engaged in the invisible commerce of thought that is to say in the exchange of thoughts by words symbols sounds colors and forms the motions of the silent invisible world where feeling glows and thought flames that contains all seeds of action are made known only by the sounds and colors forms objects relations uses and qualities so that the visible universe is a dictionary an aggregation of symbols by which and through which is carried on the invisible commerce of thought each object is capable of many meanings or of being used in many ways to convey ideas or states of feeling or of facts that take place in the world of the brain the greatest poet is the one who selects the best the most appropriate symbols to convey the best the highest the sublimest thoughts each man occupies a world of his own he is the only citizen of his world he is subject and sovereign and the best he can do is to give the facts concerning the world in which he lives to the citizens of other worlds no two of these worlds are alike they are of all kinds from the flat barren and uninteresting from the small and shriveled and worthless to those whose rivers and mountains and seas and constellations belittle and cheapen the visible world the inhabitants of these marvelous worlds have been the singers of songs utterers of great speech the creators of art and here lies the difference between creators and imitators the creator tells what passes in his own world the imitator does not the imitator abdicates and by the fact of imitation falls upon his knees he is like one who hearing a traveller talk pretends to others that he has travelled in nearly all lands the poet has been privileged for the sake of beauty they have allowed him to speak and for that reason he has told the story of the oppressed and has excited the indignation of honest men and even the pity of tyrants he above all others has added to the intellectual beauty of the world he has been the true creator of language and has left his impress on mankind what i have said is not only true of poetry it is true of all speech all are compelled to use the visible world as a dictionary words have been invented and are being invented for the reason that new powers are found in the old symbols new qualities relations uses and meanings the growth of language is necessary on account of the development of the human mind the savage needs but few symbols the civilized many the poet most of all the old idea was however that the poet must be a rhymer before printing was known it was said the rhyme assists the memory that excuse no longer exists is rhyme a necessary part of poetry 
in my judgment rhyme is a hindrance to expression the rhymer is compelled to wander from his subject to say more or less than he means to introduce irrelevant matter that interferes continually with the dramatic action and is a perpetual obstruction to sincere utterance all poems of necessity must be short the highly and purely poetic is the sudden bursting into blossom of a great and tender thought the planting of the seed the growth the bud and flower must be rapid the spring must be quick and warm the soil perfect the sunshine and rain enough everything should tend to hasten nothing to delay in poetry as in wit the crystallization must be sudden the greatest poems are rhythmical while rhyme is a hindrance rhythm seems to be the comrade of the poetic rhythm has a natural foundation under emotion the blood rises and falls the muscles contract and relax and this action of the blood is as rhythmical as the rise and fall of the sea in the highest form of expression the thought should be in harmony with this natural ebb and flow the highest poetical truth is expressed in rhythmical form i have sometimes thought that an idea selects its own words chooses its own garments and that when the thought has possession absolutely of the speaker or the writer he unconsciously allows the thought to clothe itself the great poetry of the world keeps time with the winds and the waves i do not mean by rhythm a recurring accent at accurately measured intervals perfect time is the death of music there should always be room for eager haste and delicious delay and whatever change there may be in the rhythm or time the action itself should suggest perfect freedom a word more about rhythm i believe that certain feelings and passions joy grief emulation revenge produce certain molecular movements in the brain that every thought is accompanied by certain physical phenomena now it may be that certain sounds colors and forms produce the same molecular action in the brain that accompanies certain feelings and that these sounds colors and forms produce first the molecular movements and these in their turn reproduce the feelings emotions and states of mind capable of producing the same or like molecular movements so that what we call heroic music produces the same molecular action in the brain the same physical changes that are produced by the real feeling of heroism that the sounds we call plaintive produce the same molecular movement in the brain that grief or the twilight of grief actually produces there may be a rhythmical molecular movement belonging to each state of mind that accompanies each thought or passion and it may be that music or painting or sculpture produces the same state of mind or feeling that produces the music or painting or sculpture by producing the same molecular movements all arts are born of the same spirit and express like thoughts in different ways that is to say they produce like states of mind and feeling the sculptor the painter the composer the poet the orator work to the same end with different materials the painter expresses through form and color and relation the sculptor through form and relation the poet also paints and chisels his words give form relation and color his statues and his paintings do not crumble neither do they fade nor will they as long as language endures 
the composer touches the passions produces the very states of feeling produced by the painter and sculptor the poet and orator in all these there must be rhythm that is to say proportion that is to say harmony melody so that the greatest poet is the one who idealizes the common who gives new meanings to old symbols who transfigures the ordinary things of life he must deal with the hopes and fears and with the experiences of the people the poetic is not the exceptional the perfect poem is like a perfect day it has the undefinable charm of naturalness and ease it must not appear to be the result of great labor we feel in spite of ourselves that man does best that which he does easiest the great poet is the instrumentality not always of his time but of the best of his time and he must be in unison and accord with the ideals of his race the sublimer he is the simpler he is the thoughts of the people must be clad in the garments of feeling the words must be known apt familiar the height must be in the thought in the sympathy in olden times they used to have may-day parties and the prettiest child was crowned queen of may imagine an old blacksmith and his wife looking at their little daughter clad in white and crowned with roses they would wonder while they looked at her how they ever came to have so beautiful a child it is thus that the poet clothes the intellectual children or the ideals of the people they must not be gemmed and garlanded beyond the recognition of their parents out from all the flowers and beauty must look the eyes of the child they know we have grown tired of gods and goddesses in art milton's heavenly militia excites our laughter lighthouses have driven sirens from the dangerous coasts we have found that we do not depend on the imagination for wonders there are millions of miracles under our feet nothing can be more marvellous than the common and everyday facts of life the phantoms have been cast aside men and women are enough for men and women in their lives is all the tragedy and all the comedy that they can comprehend the painter no longer crowds his canvas with the winged and impossible he paints life as he sees it people as he knows them and in whom he is interested the angelus the perfection of pathos is nothing but two peasants bending their heads in thankfulness as they hear the solemn sound of the distant bell two peasants who have nothing to be thankful for nothing but weariness and want nothing but the crusts that they soften with their tears nothing and yet as you look at that picture you feel that they have something besides to be thankful for that they have life love and hope and so the distant bell makes music in their simple hearts end of part eight what is poetry